Um, you can even dial in this morning, and that's really what I'm hoping that you do. Let me tell you how you can connect with us. Um, you can connect with us on WhatsApp and Telegram. The telephone number is, now listen carefully, 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. It's always better to hear your voice than to see your text and have to read it, and I don't always read so good. Um, on Twitter, you can comment on the handle uh, at 657AM. We are on Facebook. Uh, we are on Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. We are currently streaming live there. You can drop comments down below and we get to see them right here in studio. Um, and then the number to dial into the studio and to talk to our panel of experts. Well, when I say experts, I really mean me, Tip, and Tommy. But to dial in and talk to us is 012. 334-1322. And I'm really hoping that this morning we get to chat to one or two of you on the topic of church membership. At this stage, though, we are going to open our conversation by talking to our friend Michael Swain. Um, Michael is the executive director of 4SA. Um, Michael, I mean, I introduce you each week. I'm getting kind of used to this. You studied, I mean, you had a full life, brother. You studied law abroad. You have been successful in business. You, you're co-founder of the His People Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. Uh, and, uh, and, and now you are advocating on behalf of religious organizations in South Africa and representing much of the church um, in conversation uh, with our state on really important topics. So today we're going to be talking about the hate speech bill, uh, for instance. Great to have you with us. Yeah, great to be with you, Mark. And thank you always for having me on your show. It's a real privilege. Well, let's get started. The Constitutional Court recently gave a judgment uh, on the definition of hate speech. We touched on this last week um, in terms of the John uh, Quilani case. Um, and that happened, I think, in July. So, uh, yeah, maybe you can just flesh out um, what that's all about and, and what, what does it all matter? It, it matters a great deal because the Constitutional Court has now defined uh, really almost conclusively hate speech. And hate speech is a critical element because to the extent that you have a broad definition of hate speech, limits your actual freedom of speech. So the more narrow the definition, the more free speech you have. The Constitution itself defined hate speech as an advocacy to hatred combined with an incitement to do harm, which is typically violence, but it could also be just a, a something really sort of egregious infringement of your human dignity, for example. But th that's it. That's a pretty narrow and objective definition. So kill the farmer, kill the boer. That is a classic hate speech statement. Who do we want you to hate? Farmers, what do we want you to do to them? Kill them. But of course, one of the big challenges was that the Equality Act, uh, which is otherwise known as PAPUDA, which is the Promotion of Equality and the Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act, and we've obviously been involved in the amendment bill for PAPUDA as well, that defined hate speech more broadly. It included the word hurtful, and of course, once you have a word like hurtful in it, what does hurtful actually mean? You know, hurtful could mean just about anything. It could mean offensive. It could mean something other that's upsetting. And of course, what Kulani did uh, was he basically challenged the definition of hate speech in 
Papuda or in the so-called Equality Act. Uh, but of course, you know, his particular case was a pretty egregious um, and let's let's say um, <laughs> vilifying uh, article about homosexuality. And in it, he accused homosexual people of being the kind of the cause of erosion of values in society. He said they should no longer be able to marry. He supported uh, former Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe's uh, horrendous approach. Uh, and it was also then accompanied by an article depicting somebody marrying a goat. And that was, again, a, a, a very almost like, you know, over, completely beyond the pale. But nevertheless, he was found guilty first instance uh, by the uh, Equality Court. Then he appealed it on the basis the definition was too broad. And then the matter went to the Constitutional Court, which is obviously going to ultimately decide matters which affect the Constitution or its interpretation. And it took literally 13 years for this case to work its way through the court system. But finally, they did deliver their landmark ruling. And it's very important because, as I say, hate speech is not protected by the Constitution. If you involve yourself in hate speech, then you will face some pretty severe sanctions. 13 years. Um, you know, it's clear that the wheels of justice turn slowly, um, but they do turn. And so I, I guess at this stage, on the other side of the judgment, we can ask the question, how has the Constitutional Court therefore defined hate speech? Uh, what clarity have they brought? How, how have they brought clarity to this conversation? Well, I think on the good side, of course, is that they agreed that the Equality Act's definition of hate speech was too broad. And they specifically struck down the word hurtful. Uh, they said that hurtful uh, was irredeemably vague and therefore problematic because, as I said, it's, it's a very, very subjective word. Uh, they confirmed that thereafter, uh, and again, they narrowly defined hate speech, which is a very good thing, that it occurs when somebody says or does something which a reasonable person would understand to have a clear intention to be harmful or to cause harm and to promote or propagate hatred. So although the court was obviously very empathetic uh, for the effect and impact that Kolani's remarks would have had on what is a, a historically um, unequal group of, of, of people in this country, the LGBTIQ plus community, um, it did say that there has to be a level of, if you like, detestation or vilification or hostility that exceeds just mere criticism, uh, even if such criticism is experienced as offensive. So the actual definition says words that are based on one or more of the prohibited grounds, which obviously would be, among other things, you know, race and gender and, and of course, now sexual uh, orientation, against any person that could reasonably be construed to demonstrate a clear intention. So there's intentionality in it, which is important, to be harmful or to incite harm and to promote or propagate hatred. So... Obviously, in that instance, by the way, they did find that Kolani was uh, indeed guilty of hate speech. Importantly, though, they said that um, the narrow definition uh, was excluded uh, private conversations or conversations between individuals. So it, it, is, it is something which you say in public uh, rather than or on, in a public platform or on a public forum rather than, uh, you know, just between, say, two people. Sure. So, Michael, uh, I mean, 
Let's get really practical, uh, down to kind of nitty gritties. Um, what are the kinds of factors that will help define whether or not words or statements uh, will amount to hate speech? You know, what do people, what do listeners need to listen out for in terms of, I mean, <laughs> heaven forbid their own hearts, but um, but in terms of the conversations which are happening around them, um, if you can, you know, detail some of those. So, I mean, I think it's important to say that as Christians, we should be the very last people that would even come close to saying anything that would resemble hate speech. <laughs> so, you know, we're, that, that's we're actually supposed- a really that's a really good point to make. And uh, yeah, I, I should have I should have started there. Like, if you if you if you're spewing hateful speech, uh, you're 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 speaking contrary to the heart and to the mind of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think that is important. So this is not a question of like, how close to the wind can I sail? I mean, you know, we should be saying as far away from this as we possibly can. But, 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 that, but that said, um, and again, you know, sometimes hate speech uh, in the minds of some is defined, you know, very broadly. You know, anything that you say that is vaguely critical or that they disagree with, they will try and label it hate speech. So it's important to actually understand the context so that we can see that hate speech is a, a pretty high bar in, in the terms of what you should not say before you're going to be found to be infringing it. But the one thing was, of course, the identity and the status of the speaker. And Kolani himself, he was a seasoned journalist. Um, he was a liberation struggle veteran. And he had a regular column in in The Sun, which at that stage was a very well followed um, you know, publications. So, you know, his words therefore carried, if you like, significant weight. Um, and again, you know, the context of it, the, the fact that he quoted President Mugabe, and at the time there were extraordinarily high levels of violent attacks against LGBT people. So <coughs> that fed into it as well. And the impact of the speech, uh, you know, he, he really did just, you know, say the most reprehensible um, things and it was an un- unadulterated vilification and basement of the LGBT community and there was no doubt that the impact went like beyond what would have been perhaps uh, normal and of course you know what is the likelihood of inflicting harm or propagating hatred and again the court said that you know it was difficult to conceive a more egregious assault on the dignity of LGBT persons and I think this is all very important for us to to, to take into account that, you know, Kulani's article was obviously, you know, a detestation and vilification of homosexuals. That was what amounted to hate speech. And I think that's perhaps the most important thing to realize is that it has to be pretty, you know, over the top. Unfortunately, there are sometimes people who, uh, in the name of their uh, expressing their what they believe their faith says, and do go way beyond what is written, so to speak. Um, and that, I think, is going to get you into trouble at this point. Okay, so judgments come, um, and then uh, they have marked effects in terms of, it's especially landmark rulings, constitutional court rulings. Um, yeah, where, where to from here? What, what are we likely to see in terms of uh, uh, the, a rollout based on what this judgment has come to? Well, I think importantly, and firstly, it doesn't make it illegal or unlawful per se to disagree with or approve of, say, you know, homosexuality or homosexual lifestyle. And therefore, you know, your ability to teach and preach or to share your, 
you know, convictions, your faith convictions, what the Bible says uh, on this issue, that is definitely permitted. And that had already, in fact, been uh, decided by previous constitutional court judgments. So whether or not something amounts to hate speech is going to depend upon the facts of a particular case. Obviously, each case is going to be determined on its own merit. And we've gone through some of the factors of that. But you know, having said that, it, it's worthwhile picking out some of the things that the court did pick up on on the Kulani case. You know, for example, an accusation against the LGBT community for being responsible for the rapid decay of societal values. I mean, that was one thing that Kulani was saying. Um, you know, a, a, an insinuation that you know sexual orientation choices are similar to bestiality, for example. Um, that was considered to have gone, you know, way too far. Um, you know, denying LGBTs rights to marry. Uh, in other words, to say that the constitution of the country is basically, uh, you know, something which that we 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 believe is something that we need to oppose, particularly in that instance, um, and that they're not worthy of protection. LGBT communities in law. So these are some of the things that you know, again, factors to consider. But particularly, it's probably worthwhile almost saying that it's wise to separate two issues. You know, the one issue is that we do live in a country. I mean, you know, Freedom of Religion South Africa, we defend the rights of all faiths to basically express themselves or for people to have no faith at all. Now, that is a constitutional right. Obviously, we believe, and that's what we do, is that because everybody is effectively going to be tarred with whatever brush it may be, uh, if, if it's a Muslim issue or a Hindu issue or a Baha'i issue or a Rastafarian issue, if that's going to affect religious freedom for them, it's going to affect it for Christians as well and vice versa. So, you know, we, we do live in a constitutional democracy and it's important to perhaps recognize, therefore, that within the constitutional democracy that we live in, uh, people perhaps, uh, you know, whether we like it or not or approve it or not, and I have no viewpoint on this and neither does 4SA, we, we, we believe that people should simply be allowed to live out and, you know, do whatever they want within the framework of the law. So having said that, it's important perhaps to, un to, to understand that that is the context and even to just say that in this nation, people are allowed to do what they want, but, and this would then be the big but, there is nothing that you should perhaps therefore hold back on thereafter, uh, which prevents you from stating what your particular faith says about a particular topic. Th th there's, no, there's no reason, there's no um, marker which says that you know, you 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 must now somehow support or endorse somebody else's belief or choices. In fact, no court can force or should force any personal organisation to do that. So, you know, our advice would be probably to make a distinction between the secular and legal position, and then the religious or the faith position of your organisation. And that is what I believe we can safely do and say. So, there's no reason, if you like, to 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 not express what a biblical view of marriage is or biblical positions on sex and sexuality, as you may believe them. Now, obviously, some people take the Bible and they will believe something different. They're entitled to do that too. But the bottom line is, is that we need to perhaps separate the constitutional dimension within which we speak. And then we can also therefore state our faith position, even if it's contrary to the um, constitutional secular position. 
Well, I think in you know coming weeks we're going to continue the conversation. I'm very interested to hear. Maybe next week we can talk about it. Um, what place the church has in terms of lobbying for effective, even legal change um, in in our country? Because you are right, we are citizens of this land. Um, but I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm interested in that. I'm, I'm sure I'll connect with you during the week uh, and we can talk through it. But Michael, for now, I just want to say thank you so much for um, the excellent work that you do, both in lobbying government, but also uh, in making us aware of what's going on um, in the year and now. I really, really appreciate it. You talk with such excellence and such eloquence on topics that most of us don't know a lot about. Um, and so I really appreciate what you do. Please do take uh, our thanks back to your team as well. Really appreciate it. And maybe listeners, if you are interested in engaging in these conversations beyond what you've heard here, you want to know other topics that are currently hot button issues uh, in terms of the conversation which is happening at national level, um, go to the 4SA website. Uh, that is www.4sa.org.za and on that website you will find a whole host of information including video content, um, opportunities to sign petitions, um, and engage uh, with the current debate. Michael, thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you so much, Mark. All the best. Well, guys, at this stage, we now begin to talk about the nitty-gritty realities of ecclesiology. Now, that is a crazy big word. <laughs> Who uses words like ecclesiology? Um, e well, <laughs> Tommy van der Valt, you can't see him right now because he's off camera for you, uh, just raised his hand and says he uses words like ecclesiology. Tommy, give us a crash course, and I'm talking like two to five minutes, brother. Give us a crash course into ecclesiology and then land the plane and tell us how church membership fits into that. Great. Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Always enjoy being on radio with you as well. Um, loving the summer. Anyway, uh, membership, church membership, well, ecclesiology, let me start there, uh, is the study of the church. So what makes a church? Uh, and we normally refer to some headings of uh, the gospel. So the gospel must be present. Uh, the preaching of the word must be there. True conversion, evangelism, church membership, the ordinances, baptism, Lord's Supper, uh, true biblical elder-led uh, leadership, um, and then it goes on uh, missions, uh, prayer, um, church discipline, discipling. So those are the, the kind of the topics that, that goes underneath ecclesiology, the study of the church. So what makes a church? Uh, hmm. So that's less than five minutes, but that's pretty much the, the summary of, of ecclesiology. I, I mean, that's, that's a great start. Um, basically, it, it does point to the fact that what makes a church um, biblically um, is a, a pretty broad topical range of, uh, of items. I mean, we, we really need to study quite a lot of scripture in order to discern the various different elements and the various different practices um, that, that make up the theology, the biblical study uh, of church. This morning, we, we're just going to be looking at one sliver of that study. We're going to be looking at church membership. Uh, by way of introduction, Tommy, uh, 
kind of at a very high level, what is church membership? I mean, there might be guys out there that have come to faith, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ recently. Maybe they've heard something on radio. Maybe they've heard something on a sermon which they downloaded off YouTube and they have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but they haven't heard of this church membership mumbo jumbo. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of uh, give us a crash course. Yeah, so the ecclesiology, so the ecclesia, which is the, the Greek word, is the called out one. So it's, the, it's all the people that God saved that he calls out of darkness to light, from death to life. Uh, those are the people that you were talking about downloading a sermon, being converted, uh, true conversion takes place. But he, he, he saves us from one end to another. So if you think of, of, of Noah, uh, he saved him from the flood by putting him into the ark, right? So he, he always saves people from one place to another. Um, mm. he, he saved the, the Israelites from Egypt and he took them through the wilderness to the promised land. So there's always a, a, a from and a to, saving from and into something else. Uh, and if you read Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, even Ephesians 3, 4, it talks about a, a body. So you as a convert, true convert, a believer is saved into something, is into a body, into the body of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 10. But that relates, if you think of 1 John, um, if you're in Christ, you're in a body, believers. Now I'm throwing a lot of text verses out there. No, that's good. This is a biblical show. You get to use scripture. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it, it is God saving a people for himself, but to himself. And if we are one body, then we are in Christ. But if we are in Christ individually, and there are more than one in Christ, then we are brothers and sisters as one body, First Corinthians 12 and, and Romans 12. So I, I just want to underline something that you said because it's actually quotable god doesn't just save us for himself he saves us to himself he he brings us into this new relationship with him and this new relationship does include a new family um, yeah. which we might call the church the local church it includes a body that we become a part of you know i might be the nose <laughs> tommy you get to be an ear uh, Tepo, you get to be a finger. I, I don't know. You know, oh, each you one of us are. To be the mouth. <laughs> we are collectively members of a body that God has saved us to, and that's the topic of conversation for this morning. We are going to be talking about church membership. Now, if you are listening in on radio, maybe you're listening in on DSTV. I know my mom listens to the show, and she listens on DSTV. Uh, you might be listening on Facebook right now. Uh, I really want to get you involved in the conversation on church membership this morning. Now, the way that you can do that is diverse. <laughs> um, one way that you can do that is by WhatsApping or Telegramming uh, and sending in a voice note or sending in a text. You can do that on this telephone number, mark it now, 82 729. If you send in a text or if you send in a voice note to WhatsApp to that number, I'll get it on my screen and be able to bring you into the conversation. If you drop a comment underneath the live stream on Facebook, we'll be able to bring you into the conversation. Say hi right now and tell us where you're from. 
Tell us how the weather is, because I'm guessing it's feeling a little bit like spring. It's feeling a little bit like rugby season. I'm feeling a little bit sorry for those poor Argentinians. <laughs> um, but um, if you're on Twitter, the Twitter handle is at 657AM. Uh, you can engage with us there as well. And then this morning, folk, I, I want to make a new channel available to you. It is a in-studio telephone number so that you can speak to myself and Tommy and Teppo, who we are about to bring into the conversation. Uh, the in-studio telephone number is 012-334-1322, uh, and that connects you right with us. I I'm really looking forward uh, to those conversations. Tips. I'm going to bring you in at this stage. Um, so as I'm looking at you, you've got your books behind you and very prominent uh, to the left of your face. And Tommy is holding it up now himself is a book called Church Membership written by a guy called Jonathan Lehman. And it's part of the nine marks of a healthy church series. Uh, maybe let me ask you this question in opening temple. When you think of church membership positively, what do you think of? Give me some positive examples of church membership that you just see flourishing, awesomeness, and gets you all excited. And then maybe the converse as well. If you think of church membership, I imagine you've got a couple of negative examples. Um, maybe you can dish out the dirt. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. Um, so when, when I think of church membership, um, obviously it's, it's a group of believers who've covenanted um, with one another. And obviously, they first have to covenant with the Lord. They have to be in union with the Lord and then covenant to one another in a local body, which is a local church. Um, so that, I don't know if that's positive or negative, but it's definitely positive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so that is that is church membership, um, and obviously, what then there are other things that plays out in church membership, um, um, like different believers do different things because each individual person is an individual member to the body and has a specific role to play in the body. Um, like you said, one is an eye, one is an ear. I mean, the ear cannot do what the eye does. I mean, we were gifted differently, and so our functionalities in the local church is also different. Um, so I don't know about negatives, but what happens also in, in a local church is that this is primarily, I think, the place where we get discipled. Um, um, members of a local body get discipled in that local body. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time because I won't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I, I mean, you, you raised a couple of things. You spoke about um, what members do in the church. You spoke about diversity. I love that. I love that topic of diversity. I, I've recently been studying 1 Corinthians 12 myself. I think, Tommy, you brought it up. And, uh, and just... Uh, again, recognize the individuality of the people that God brings into a local church or into the church, because uh, there's a bit of debate in terms of 1 Corinthians 12. Is it talking of universal church or is it talking of local church or is Paul being a little bit schizophrenic and kind of jumping between the two? And I, I, I don't mean that in any way to disparage Paul. Um, it is an amazing analogy. 
um, that talks of the uniqueness of the people that God brings into the church and the diversity of the gifting that he brings into the church. I, it is quite amazing how the Holy Spirit sovereignly bestows gifts on his people that are to be used in a local church. I, uh, You know, listener, if you're listening in right now and you're tracking this conversation, one of the key applications here is join a local church. <laughs> they need you. They need your individual gifting that God himself has given you and that you need to use in a local church. It might be the church down the road. It might be the church down the road, over the hill and across the stream. Um, but go and find a place where you can glorify God together with his people. Tommy, uh, anything to add there, brother? Uh, I think it's always helpful to just have a def definition um, of, of maybe, first of all, the church, because the church consists of the members. Um, and it's it, the local church is, uh, the, is, a, is a gathering of believers. So again, the gospel and the conversion comes in there. It's the gathering of believers, but also the gathering. So they need to be together. A body can't be separate. Um, mm. But then that has the authority. So there's a, 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 a job description to act on behalf of Jesus. So Jesus came to serve, uh, to proclaim the gospel, to save the people for himself. And he's put us now in that position, not to save people, obviously, only, the, only Jesus can do that in the Holy Spirit. But we are, are ambassadors in a foreign country to do what he did. So he gave us the authority, Matthew 28, but to affirm and give shape to other believers. So mm. membership is, yes, I can see you're a, you're a child of God, you're a believer, come and join our church. But also then when you do join a church, that flows into the whole discipling relationship. So it, it's to affirm, but also to give shape to, to other believers. So I think that definition is helpful just to see that the local church is not the building, but it is its members. So if, you, if, you're, not a, if you're not a church member, you can't, you're not part of a church, even though you attend every Sunday. Yeah, you know, Tommy, you're highlighting some things that we have to now unpack, um, because you, you, you're, touching on, you're touching on the good bits of church membership and the stuff that really makes church membership matter. Um, mm. you, 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 spoke about, um, you spoke about affirm, you used that word affirm. And the word affirm in terms of church membership, we affirm one another's membership becomes really important when we start to discuss matters like church discipline. Um, and, and then in terms of church membership, you also drew a distinction between attendance and membership. And I want to just bring in one or two of the listeners now because uh, folk are starting to comment. And I just want to say, guys, thanks so much for joining the conversation. Uh, myself, Teppo and Tommy really appreciate um, questions and comments as we are going through uh, the conversation this morning. Uh, let me start off with Justin. Justin says, hi, he is from Benoni. Um, he is a regular listener. And so if Vussy, who is keeping the lights on from a technical aspect this morning, uh, is in the studio, could play the loud clap clip, now would be a great time. Well done, Vissi. You are 
you are on the ball, brother. Um, Justin is a long-time listener and regular listener. Um, and he says, good morning, brothers and sisters. Have a phenomenally blessed uh, Friday weekend. Um, and then he engages a little bit in terms of uh, uh, his own uh, personal humor. Uh, I'm not going to read that on air. Um, Alison <laughs> asks a great question. She says, and, and this really comes into, Tommy, the conversation that you were having, both in terms of affirmation and what distinguishes a church member from a, uh, a regular attendee. Uh, she says, what, what makes church membership different from any kind of club membership? Um, I mean, you know, like, is church a club? You know, people that kind of need that God crutch, hang out together on a Sunday, they have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and a little bit of a natter together, um, and then they go home to their Sunday lunch um, and return next Sunday for the next round of kind of, you know, fellowship, fun, uh, yeah. chit-chat. Uh, what's the difference between a club and church membership? So, simply, uh, in words of consumer or contributor, that's the difference. If I belong, yeah. if I belong to a golf club, I'm a consumer. So I go to the club. Um, they give me a caddy. I hit the balls around. Uh, I pay them to to provide a service for me. So I think that's club membership. So you a consumer. So you come to church, you hear the word preached, and you go home. While church membership is different from club membership, which means you're a contributor. So you have duties, you have responsibilities. There are privileges with, with, it, with church membership. So I give myself to the body. If the ear itches, the finger scratches, right? Uh, <laughs> but, or, or the nose or whatever it is. But that, that's the difference between club membership and then church membership is the whole consumer versus the contributor um, aspect of church. Yeah, I think that that's, that's really helpful. Um, so uh, you know, a sharp difference between club and membership in terms of the church life is that between club, a consumer, you know, I belong to a golf club, I go and I play on the greens, I get my kick out of that. Uh, and church membership, not so much what I get out of my Sunday service, you know, did the worship speak to me, did the, did the sermon tickle my ear, but, but really, how am I contributing to the life, the vitality, the health of this local community that I'm an intricate member of? I, I guess uh, fairly similar to any functional family where uh, the members of the family can't be consumers. Um, your children can't remain consumers their whole life. Um, they, they need to be contributors. I, I mean, that's what happens at the dinner table, right? Mom, dad, and kids come together. And mom and dad don't do all the talking. You know, kids get involved. They, they, they contribute to the conversation. They grow together. We, we love one another and we build one another up uh, in much the same way that, um, that, that families require that kind of cohesion and individual participation of each one of their members, so too churches need their members. They, they need the, their children to be growing together that God might be glorified in their midst. And I think one big thing going back to the definition is the affirmation of believers. So mm. it's not that we cast judgment, which is a whole different topic. You can't be judged lest you be judged, whatever, it's that, that whole thing. But we need to guard the gospel in saying, yes, I can see that this 
person is a believer and we would love to welcome him or her into the body but at a golf club I don't really care who becomes a member of the golf club as long as they pay their dues uh, or soccer club or whoever but at church we don't want cancer or sin to enter into the church to divide the body so we need to guard that um, responsibility as ambassadors and another uh, uh, um, contributing factor is is to share the gospel so to make disciples um, a, con- a, a consumer will just like you said uh, feed me uh, what did I get from the service instead of oh I got this from the service let me go tell my neighbor or you know that lady is suffering let me go pray for her uh, or I don't have any food uh, guys can you rally around me and, and actually provide food for my family or whatever it is so it is more that family aspect that is church membership instead of club membership. Club membership, you just pitch up and, yeah. Now, now guys, I, I, I have the distinct feeling that church membership has been eroded, um, or at least the theology of church membership, the biblical understanding and the biblical application of church membership has been eroded over the last number of decades. Um, and then I think it's been assaulted <laughs> over the last year and a half. I think that that church membership has has had a really rough time uh, in terms of finding its expression under lockdown. Uh, I, I'm just interested in unpacking not necessarily the solutions to all the problems, but 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 uh, is it just me or can you guys see some of these problems? Uh, in the system at the moment, Seps, uh, any kind of any kind of contribution to that? Yeah, so I think I think the most difficult time or the most difficult thing that has um, uh, been a factor during lockdown is that <laughs> we can't we can't practice the one another's. So it's it's really difficult um, in terms of um, how do you. Like how how do you even visit? Like we we are restricted from from seeing one another. I mean, not even family members could even see their uh, whoever fathers or mothers or other family because of restrictions. But but because of those restrictions, we can't really care for certain people who really need us at that moment. Um, and so and so we 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 were restricted in that case. Um, and also I think I think. That then, as well, has for me, and especially we. I was speaking to my wife about this, uh, talking about the good that should have come out of this as well. Is how deep do we take the one another's, uh, or how seriously do we take the one another's? Because when, like, do we even do we even pick up the phone just to, because we we feel that urge to speak to somebody or to find out how somebody's doing. But do we pick up the phone? I mean, we've got these resources to help us even in times like that. Send a message, check up on a brother, check up on a sister. Um, and, and in that way, at least that's the least that could be done, especially in that moment. So yeah, that, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good, Zippo. That's really good. Um, I, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to flesh out the problems, but even as you're talking, I, I, you're just launching into thoughts and uh, and into thinking. I love those one another's. There are 52 one another's in the New Testament. 
over and over again, whether it's Paul, whether it's Christ, whether it's the writer of the Hebrews, let's call him Barnabas for now, um, uh, Peter, John, uh, the writers of God's word over and over again say that we are saved to be in community. We're to love one another. We're to greet one another with a holy kiss. We are to care for one another. We are to carry one another's burdens. We are to exhort, rebuke, teach one another. Over and over again, we have these one another's in scripture. And and you are 100% right. Some of those one another's definitely were restricted when we were under level five, level four, level three, level two, level one. It sounds like a like a launch um, lockdown. I mean, it's it's really really been been tough. And yet, you you actually you launched straight into into what is really the problem. The problem wasn't that we were restricted from doing the one another's. The problem is we weren't doing them before lockdown. And so in the middle of lockdown, when we had opportunities like praying for one another or giving one another a phone call, we weren't doing that because we were spiritually lethargic or spiritually sleeping or spiritually dead. Um, there's, there's like some issues in our system. Um, there's some brokenness amongst local churches that lockdown just highlighted. <laughs> the problems were there. They weren't caused by, um, by the restrictions. Uh, a lovely testimony. Um, we have Auntie Molly in our church. You probably have an Auntie Molly in your church. You probably know who I'm speaking about. She probably has a different name. Maybe she's Auntie Ethel or Auntie Enid. Um, but Auntie Molly in our church um, is, um, I mean, she's like a founder member. Um, and she is old, although I use that word with great caution because different people take exception to getting called old. But, but, but Auntie Molly is advanced in years, let's say it that way. And um, you know, during lockdown, while others really struggled to serve one another, although we had people taking meals around and we had people visiting the sick and we had people, I mean, God, God was glorified during lockdown at Crystal Park Baptist Church. But Auntie Molly glorified God in a peculiar way. Um, you know, she, she's, she's not well um, physically, and yet she started praying for people. And then, because she was isolated, she was in a retirement home, people couldn't come and visit her um, because they couldn't even get past security. Um, Auntie Molly started to phone people. And, and you know, as the pastor, I, I give people a call if they're sick or if they have a loved one that is in a hospital. I can't tell you how many people I spoke to in terms of just a conversation on the phone who said, I feel so loved. So many people have phoned me. Auntie Molly phones me every single day to tell me that she's praying for me and to find out how I am. A number of people had that same um, had that same testimony. And I'm just reminded that the church um, and church membership, we it's made up of a hodgepodge of different people. God gives different people to the church. And I just praise the Lord that God gives people like Auntie Molly's um, who who with even advanced age knows how to respond in a godly fashion even in the midst of all the restrictions that we were facing um, she did a good spiritual job tommy uh we're actually coming up for the hour we've got about six more minutes um and and i i really want to kind of um uh, uh, tease out 
um, some of that original question that came in from a listener regarding the difference between club and membership and maybe just advance the question and ask what does it matter if people are members or not you spoke about membership and attendance you know some people attend I mean we have some people in attendance at Crystal Park <laughs> who, who come to everything that they possibly can they in some ways their attendance is more faithful than some members it drives me nuts um, I'm not nuts with them nuts with the members um, but, but but really uh, when it comes down to it um, what does it matter if people you know attend the church regularly or if people join membership yeah, so I think just on what um, what you guys have been discussing for the last five minutes, um, something that I've I've seen and it goes into what you're saying, Mark, um, is just uh, the the lack of accountability, the lack of speaking into each other's lives, the the lack of uh, getting in touch with your sandpaper person, uh, iron sharpening iron, causing sparks, uh, and how you forgive one another, how you relate to one another. Uh, again, the one another. Um, interestingly enough, uh, I read an article, uh, I heard it over a podcast or something, um, where the AA, the Alcoholics Anonymous, said that they desperately need to gather. Because uh, Zoom, they can't gather. Uh, and the people ask, but why? I mean, you guys see each other. They say, yes, but we can't smell each other. Which yeah. means they want to smell the alcohol in your breath or the lack of. I mean, it's uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. So they can't gather. And I'm like, hello, can we just see the correlation to the church there? We need to smell each other. We need to help one another breathe. We need to, Zoom is not enough. Um, mm. We need to hold each other accountable. I can sit here and smile. Meanwhile, I'm slapping my wife next to me or I didn't. But don't be doing that, bro. No, I'm in my office. No. <laughs> oh, okay, that was just a. It was just a. There was a metaphor. It wasn't a reality. Like, Absolutely. hang on, wait a minute. This isn't confession time. No, 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 no. That those are all serious matters. Which I've seen my counselling yes. in the church as an elder has quadrupled during lockdown. Yeah. Which is people are isolated. Sin issues come up. Yes. They don't know how to deal with it. They're not gathering on a Sunday. They could say, "Hey, Tommy, can I please speak to you?" Or, "Hey, I can see that you're not okay." Yeah. Uh, behind the screen, I'm behind the pulpit. I'm preaching to a camera. I can't see your reaction when I preach. I can't see you afterwards. So it's all those kind of things that club membership and consumerism and not being part of the body, that all is being taken away from you. Mm. That is a huge privilege of membership where you belong to the body, where the same blood of Jesus runs through all of us, where we can see uh, you're not right. The Holy Spirit's within me and within you. I can see that there's something wrong and I, we need to deal with this. Can I pray for you? Can I come alongside you, help you? Um, so going back to the definition is is just that it's not just the affirmation, but it's giving shape to one another. So discipling one another, which we can talk about in a different topic about church discipline. I believe church discipline starts off at discipling one another, being involved in one another's lives. Um, and um, and that's not happening at the moment. Um, and that so, is also the advantage of church membership being a contributor rather than club membership being a, con a consumer. 
Okay, so I, Tommy, we're coming up for the hour. We're going to need to take a uh, a music break. We're going to need to take some ad breaks. Um, but but I, I want to apply what you've said explicitly for any hearers right now. Um, you said that as an elder, and you've given examples of the need to be in one another's company because so much more is conveyed when we're in one another's presence than when we speak to one another on a telephone or even across a Zoom call. Now, just explicit application to anyone who's listening at the moment. Um, some folk I haven't even seen on Zoom calls. I haven't even like really had decent conversations with them on the telephone in far too long because of the current um, uh, realities that the world is facing. Uh, and the encouragement to you is you desperately need to reach out to your elders and to your pastors so that they can pastor your soul. That's what, the, the, that's what God has given them to you for. Um, you, you need to do that. Um, and then to those who have faithfully Zoomed or <laughs> faithfully phoned, just by way of application, friends, uh, you know, looking at the hospital rates, looking at the uh, infection rates, looking at the weather for this coming Sunday, there is no time like the present <laughs> than to go back to church and enjoy sweet communion with the saints. Um, there is something special about gathering together. There's something uniquely incarnational about manifest presence with one another as we celebrate the person of Jesus Christ by reading God's word and proclaiming God's word and singing God's word and enjoying one another around God's word. Let, let me just, the application is go to church this Sunday <laughs> and we will see you after the break. <laughs> We're going to go to a musical interlude at this stage and uh, a couple of ad breaks and when we come back we're going to continue to talk about church membership uh, and you it's really cool to be able to talk to people all over south africa and i know even beyond um because the station has quite a large listening audience uh, in terms of the the musical uh, interlude, we listened to City of God by Canal Cruz, um, and that was what we heard uh, during the break. And back from the break now, uh, we're talking this morning about church membership. Uh, great timing to have this conversation, really great timing indeed. Um, I'm joined this morning by my partner in crime extraordinaire, Tepo Pizzo, as well as my friend from the deep dark south, Tommy van der Velt. Um, Tommy joins me from Brackenish Baptist Church, where he is an elder, and from an organization called Imprint, um, where he serves as, like, I'm going to take a stab, because I actually don't know what your position is, Tommy. I just realized I should have had that in my show notes. Um, Executive Director. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> what do you do at Imprint, and what is Imprint as an organization? Uh, I do everything. So from project management, the projects of translating resources, uh, I do the, the training or the teaching. I do the finances. I am the only employee, so I'm the HR manager as well. I'm the marketing manager. Uh, so yeah, I, I do everything. So call me the executive director that does everything. So uh, yeah, but uh, Imprint exists to leave a healthy mark on the growing church in Africa. We provide trustworthy biblical resources, specifically on ecclesiology or the study of the church. 
so we provide trustworthy biblical resources and training uh, to churches. So we help people understand what a healthy church is uh, through our training, but also uh, help them to implement that in their churches. Yeah. So let's just say that we've got a guy in the Western Cape or in the Eastern Cape or in Mpumalanga, Limpopo, Gauteng, Northern Cape, wherever, and they are listening into the show right now and they're in a church and they go, hmm, we're not so healthy. Or they're listening into this conversation on church membership and they go, well, I didn't know that the Bible said that. And they are like thinking, I need to connect with Tommy so Tommy can help me move things forward. How do they connect with you? And what are the kinds of things that you might do with the person who connects with you for the first time? Yeah, so they can go to our Facebook page, Imprint On, uh, or they can email us on info at imprinton.org or myself, Tommy at imprinton.org uh, and connect through those medias. We're on Instagram, Imprint. Uh, we're, uh, we've got a podcast, Imprint Out Loud as well. So they can connect us through any of those uh, social media platforms. Um, and then uh, we can discuss how we do it. If it's a, if it's a whole church, uh, I can come down and we can talk through the, the issues of membership and how we apply that, uh, leadership. Um, I think those are the two hot button issues in the South African church or Southern African church leadership, uh, church discipline and membership, but also just coming alongside them uh, or if, if there's just one or two individuals or a pastor and one of his elders, I can send them resources and we can meet up and discuss that. So uh, I'm, I'm more into uh, personal uh, training or discipling, coming, along, coming alongside the pastors or churches uh, instead of having conferences and uh, just having a, a monologue, but more cohort learning. So you read an article or listen to a podcast or read a book, and then we discuss it. So it's very informal, uh, but we help people to create a network and uh, create people to get connected, but also not just teach, but help apply what we teach from the Bible uh, back into the church. Mm. We are about to bring Tepo into the conversation. We're going to start to talk about biblical underpinnings for this conversation of, uh, of membership. But but just maybe to highlight one of the things that you said there, Tommy, and, and that's the value of podcasts. Um, you know, for the longest time, I, I've been listening to Nan Mark's podcasts, which is kind of a dialogue conversation often between uh, a, a man named Mark Dever, who's a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, uh, and another man named Jonathan Lehman. And, and they talk on these various different topics of ecclesiology. But just the advantage of having a South African voice talk on the same topics uh, is massive. And so I really encourage folk to go out and listen uh, to the podcast that you've been creating. I know that you've been putting a lot of effort into those. Um, the content is great. Um, and it is the same theological bent with a South African flavor um, and a South African voice. So uh, really, really useful. We do need to now kind of just shift gears and start talking about um, membership from a biblical perspective. Let, let's lay the groundwork. You know, a person turns around and says, but I don't see membership in the Bible. Um, where do we get started? If you're listening in, 
whether you're a pastor or whether you're a member of a local church and you have questions or comments on this topic, now would be the time to post them. You can do that on uh, WhatsApp. You can send voice notes or, or messages uh, to 082-6572-729. Uh, we'll get those right in and be able to read them. You can drop comments on Facebook. You can um, engage with us on Twitter. The handle is at 657AM. Uh, and then we also have an in-studio number. You can phone. The number is 012-334-1322. We are looking forward to chatting to you. At this stage, I'm going to bring Tepo in. Tepo, start this conversation in terms of membership. And the question is, is it biblical? You're muted, bro. Like after a year and a half, you would uh, know how all of this works. <laughs> I'm hoping you can repeat the great gold and value that you began that conversation with. Let's try oh, that again. And now forgotten you. And now forgotten my opening words. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just as Tommy said, uh, it, it doesn't appear in the Bible um, as like the word church membership. But it definitely is implied. Um, so, for instance, if you look at Matthew 18, uh, verse 15 to 17, where it talks about um, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. And then you see that that whole process. And then it talks about take them to the church if they don't want to repent. <laughs> so who is the church? Who are these people that are going to excommunicate this unrepentant brother or sister? So there has to be... Um, what is this? There has to be a core group that identifies with one another that have authority to even exercise such a, a, a um, well, such such a thing. And then, oh no no no! I think Tepo, we have got something of see the a, same thing um, uh, of a bandwidth problem. Um, uh, the end of that conversation just absolutely disintegrated into a stuttered blur of uh, soundbites. So um, I, I, I think uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the ball over to Tommy uh, in yeah. terms of a continuation of the discussion. Um, even as I do, Tommy, we're really asking um, membership: is it biblical? Question mark. Tommy, you got to unmute. Come on, guys. We got We got to try harder than this. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, when we when we look at the Bible, so when I teach my kids, I say, where do we start? We start from the beginning, right? So God created man in His image. Why? To dwell with Him, right? So. Uh, we even see that the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the cooler, the breeze in the evening. Um, and that's exactly what happened when they sinned, that they hid from him. And he asked them, where are you? So he created a people to, to gather, to, to, to dwell with him. And as soon as you realize that, and as soon as you read the Bible with those lenses on, you're going to see it everywhere. You're going to see, uh, uh, I just think of um, Exodus 25 verse 8. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. 
I mean, that's why God created Adam and Eve to dwell with him, uh, to be with him. Uh, he created them in his image. So that talks about the membership that needs to reflect who God is. That's being ambassadors and, and their job description. But specifically, God chose the nation of Israel, Old Testament language, Old Covenant language, to save them. Why? So that he can dwell with them for the purpose for the other nations to see who he is. Um, so that's Genesis, uh, Exodus 25, verse 8. Uh, Exodus 25, verse 22 says, There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. So again, it's coming together, meeting together. Why? To speak to them. So there's a reason for that. Um, and then I will give you a commandment for the people of Israel. So you can see that whole thing just uh, for the purpose of meeting together. Um, and then we can go to, I'm just flipping through here, Numbers 35 verse 34. Um, it says, you shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. So again, it, it talks about that dwelling, the, the coming together, the meeting together. Um, and then rightfully so, as uh, Tepo said, um, Matthew 28, Matthew 18, Matthew 16, um, 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul instructs the church to discipline the person. It says, when you gather. Uh, hmm. So that's when you come together. Uh, so it's on the Lord's Day. Um, we know that. Um, and then if you flip back to... John 1 gonna get there John 1 14 it says and the word became flesh to do what and dwelt among us so the whole concept of believerism Christianity uh, being part of a church is to dwell together um, and that's what God's design was from the beginning is to call out the people as we started he saved the people for himself and to himself so it's it's to gather together and the let's wrap it up with a final verse um in hebrews 10 verses 23 to 25 um get there 23 to 25 which says um and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some of you, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So again, it talks about don't neglect this gathering that I've given to the people way back, Adam and Eve. Don't neglect that because mm. that's how I designed my people for a purpose. So it is, as Tepo said, it's it's that implication. It's the, the application of yeah, it's not church membership, but so is the Trinity not mentioned in the Bible. But there are so many text verses. I mean, you get Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 10, which is body parts, and 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and Romans 12, and on it goes, Ephesians 5. And so there are plenty of text verses that, that talks about the gathering, the body. Don't neglect this. This is how I designed it to be. Um, that you need to belong somewhere for the purpose of gathering. Mm. Hey, look, I mean, you know, in, in conversations, I've found Acts chapter 2 
and yep. very, very helpful where yep. the church is inaugurated on yep. the day of Pentecost. Um, and the Holy Spirit descends, the, the, the apostles speak in languages known to men. Um, Peter calls in uh, the lost souls in Jerusalem by proclaiming the gospel that Christ died, that he rose, and that all men everywhere must repent for the forgiveness of sins. And then what happens? Well, on that day, those who believed were baptized and added to their number. And there yeah. you have a great um, visual display of what we might call membership. Now, it's not called membership, but membership is how we describe the adding. Um, it is those who believe that are added. It is those who are baptized or those who believe that are baptized and those who are baptized that are added to the number. That becomes the local church, the first church uh, in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem church that the Lord added daily to their number, those who were being saved. Uh, and so you've got this focus on on numbers. Uh, Luke, really, in the book of Acts, um, is giving an account of the rampant growth of the of the church and he starts off on that day by saying that 3,000 people were added to their number. Somebody was keeping count of who was in and who was out. Uh, somebody was keeping count of who was being affirmed uh, through the waters of baptism, who was being added. And uh, church membership really becomes the way that we describe that keeping account, that keeping score, that, that keeping a close watch on who's affirmed uh, and conversely, uh, who is not. M membership is, you rightly say, all over God's word. In actual fact, a whole lot of the doctrine of how the church functions falls apart if you don't have membership um, near the center of it. Um, obviously, Jesus Christ is the center of all that we do, but membership is, is vitally important. So, for example, leadership. Um, leaders need to know who they're leading. Uh, a shepherd is a shepherd of a flock. He's not a shepherd of every single sheep on the planet. You know, you get a, if you're a shepherd in in Kleibecha, uh, and you get on a plane and you take a plane up to I don't know, um, let's go with Israel, and you land in Jerusalem and you walk out. You are not the shepherd of the sheep that you see in the field in front of you. No, you're the shepherd of the sheep that have been entrusted to your care. Um, in your home dorpy, <laughs> whether that be Port Elizabeth or <laughs> actually, did I just call PE a dorp? I've got to be careful. There's a lot of people in Port Elizabeth that listen to this show. Um, so uh, where, where I'm going with that is leaders need to know who are the sheep that have been entrusted to their care and who are the sheep that haven't. You know, I, I, I serve in Benoni. <laughs> Not every single sheep, not every single believer in this great city is uh, is under my care. Um, the people that have committed to the local church of Crystal Park Baptist Church and who I've committed to, uh, those would be the sheep that have been entrusted to my care as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd. Um, Tets, as we talk about, you know, biblical evidences for for church membership, the 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 consideration then comes well what is the process i mean practically someone's listening and they're convinced they hear that you know the local church started and those who believed were baptized and those who were baptized were added three thousand people to their number they go yes the pennies dropped i, I believe in church membership uh, either they're a they're, they're a member or or maybe they're in leadership in their local church 
how do you go about putting this into place? What, what is what does a process look like? I mean, because whilst whilst we might be able to make a biblical argument for church membership, some of these processes I think each church will need to put into place um, and give some wisdom and some thinking and some yeah. elder oversight to. Uh, kind of, what do you do at the church that you serve? Cool. So, so firstly, um, we have is it is it a quarterly yeah we have quarterly general meetings where we take up new members we take in new members um so we then say okay this is a date where new members will come in and so if you are interested in becoming a new member then you should just lift up your hand and temple will come to you so firstly we 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 investigate if this person is a believer right because the church or membership of a church is made up of believers, right? And that will happen through, um, uh, what is this, an, an interview with um, a mature believer and maybe some someone else, like two people, um, just get to know who the person is so that we don't make an uninformed decision and later find out that we have made a big mess. <laughs> okay, and then... Um, uh, then from there we go through membership material um, so that could be in a group setting um, also on the basis of if that person cannot meet with another person one-on-one in a discipleship relationship and then we take them in a group and then there's, there's homework that they do and obviously from there you see if this is this person really understands or if there's further teaching that has to happen and should we then delay that process maybe to the next intake? Yeah, so so that's basically the things that we do. And obviously, find out if they've been baptized. If they're not baptized, um, baptize them publicly. <laughs> find out if they were publicly baptized. Um, yeah, so that we 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 cover that as well. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. And also, we bring the names to the church and let the church. Um, just get to know who the people are and if there are any objections we welcome those as well um, and see if that's something that we could look at and say oh maybe let's work through that and give it another period yeah so that's basically what it looks like in practice at Crystal Park Baptist Church Hmm. Uh, and I mean it's a fairly regular process that comes around once every three months um, we baptizing people, bringing people into membership, uh, and presenting names to the local church because ultimately it's the local church which is going to affirm that yes, we, we see uh, the spirit of Christ in this person. We 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 affirm their salvation testimony, and it's also the local church conversely which would be tasked to withdraw that if that affirmation um, if for instance, the people were living in unrepentant sin. And so, uh, yeah, about a month before a congregational meeting, we start to uh, involve the local church in the process by by putting up photos of the people and asking the local church to get to know them. Tommy, you've had quite a lot of experience and exposure to different churches, um, both in South Africa as well as abroad, uh, in terms of, let's call it, best practice for church membership so what what is what are some of the what are some of the pitfalls that you see and what are some of the 
the the the real exceptional practices that you see that are are helpful for underpinning uh, uh, church membership. Yeah, so some of the pitfalls I've I've seen over the years would be a, a rash decision um, just from from the people joining or attending the church uh, where they don't really understand what the church really believes and then they are caught by surprise I'm like whoa I didn't know you guys believe this uh, I'm <laughs> out here and then there's problems um, so the helpful would be a, a church membership class or several of those uh, just from the church's side to, to show the people that are wanting to join to say this is who we are this is what we yeah. believe so similar to you guys um, but then as well uh, I think some pitfalls that I've seen just by doing a church membership class alone um, is almost you don't get to know those people. So the reverse is also true that, yeah, church membership class or classes is great for those that wants to join because then they know who, who they're joining to. But I think it needs to be taken further because you don't know who is joining. Um, if, if it's just an information session of this is who we are, this is what we believe, we haven't gotten to know you yet. So I think a, a good way of extending that is to put someone into a relationship um, and and go through some material. Um, if you, um, sorry, I'm just asking it to, we've got this little booklet that uh, an elder and I wrote together um, so it's basically 10 lessons uh, that an individual in the church uh, gets matched with the new member or couple or whatever, and they work through those 10 lessons. Um, yes. And then after that, they, they say, oh, wow, yes, we believe that. And the person that it takes them through these 10 lessons might, uh, can also say, yeah, you know what, it's, it, that's, these, are, these are true believers. We, we can recommend them to the church. And you know, you know Tommy, is, even as you even as you're talking, I, I, just to underline something that we found as a local church, when we were, uh, let's say, under seventy-five members, yeah. um, a a a membership class worked fine actually, and because you know most of the people that were coming in were exposed to most of the people in the church, there the, mm. it wasn't it wasn't much it wasn't much problem. The relationships were easy. Um, to, to to make everybody pretty much knew everyone you know church attendance was maybe a hundred people and a hundred people you pretty much can know each individual to one degree or another but when as a local church our membership started to crest that 75 mark maybe it was even a little bit lower I'm not a hundred percent sure a number of the elders in Tepo in particular uh, started to say hang on wait a minute um, the folk that are coming in, like hardly anyone knows them. You know, they, they're attending a lecture session, uh, which is great. They're getting exposed to maybe four leaders because we have different people um, uh, doing the, the, the small group studies. Um, but in reality, uh, they need to know more people and more, more people need to know them. And so uh, Tipple in particular really stressed this need of, of saying, well, let's actually break the new member classes out of lectures. 
let's make the new member classes a discipleship relationship. If you want to come into the church, that's great. We're going to assign someone to you that's going to take you through this content. Um, who's going to take you through this over, you know, whether it takes you three months or six months or, you know, two weeks. That That's not the material part. But but you're going to have a, a deep relationship with one person who can then bring your name to the church or to the church elders uh, for nomination in terms of the membership process. And, and for those who have gone through that, I think it's been a, a far more meaningful uh, engagement and has certainly improved the general levels of discipleship and discipleship expectation in the church. I don't think it works for everyone. Some folk have limited time available to them uh, and yet want to be committed to the church with the time that they have um, and want to be accountable to the church spiritually. Um, And so we haven't completely disbanded the need for a lecture type of, you know, church, church membership classes. Um, but, but but definitely the introduction of discipleship relationships has has introduced a good dynamic uh, into the Crystal Park conversation. Um, and I was grateful that Tips uh, drove that. And I think that was off the back of interactions with you, which is why I'm underlining it. But um, I think what's necessary, just on, on the follow-up to that, I do think that it's it's necessary for an elder to have, or elders, uh, we're doing that two two by two, um, to just have the final interview and some interactions with the new members. So they would have a membership class, they would have this uh, time with a member, uh, 10 lessons or whatever it is, and it could be as soon as 10 days, um, but then follow that up with an elders interview. Uh, and we don't ask memory verses and all that kind of stuff, but just to, to, to gauge, do, do you understand the gospel? Um, are there any underlying sin issues that we need to know about? Um, so I think that's also just another guard, a guardrail to say, okay, where where are we going here? Because um, they might put a wonderful mask on during the 10 lessons. Uh, but then if you push a little bit deeper and saying, okay, we're going to take you to, church, to, to the church now to, to be voted on as, as a church member. Let's, let's just push a little bit deeper in a, a quick coffee meeting um, and and then we can with confidence take you to the church and we've seen some issues coming up in elders meetings after the 10 lessons where we were like whoa I think we need to instead of disciple here we need to evangelize um, Mm. or sort out some sin issues can I bring in a couple of nah get get ready for some questions okay let me let me bring in a a little bit of uh, of uh, listener interactions so first of all, uh, Stephen, long-time listener, if Vussy is on the ball, the audience uh, rolls now. <laughs> Vussy's busy trying to figure out which button he's got to push. Um, <laughs> Stephen, is a, Stephen is a long-time listener. He just uh, says, great subject uh, and encouragement to both yourself, Teppel, uh, as well as to you, Tommy. Um, Lorraine um, makes the observation that people who are not members um, uh, basically think that they don't need accountability and that's a dangerous place to put yourself into. Uh, Thanks for making that observation Lorraine. Um, And then uh, Sari just uh, comments that uh, the conversation is going well and she'll share. Teresa asks a question. Now you might think that Teresa is trying to trap you. (laughs) 
<laughs> because the questions are a little bit tough. But here's the thing. Um, these aren't otherworldly examples. Um, uh, in fact, at least one of these examples I've experienced in, in my own ministry. And so let me just read his question as he's posed it. And, and Tommy, I, I'm going to ask you first, and, and, uh, and I will also... Uh, take a stab at an answer for Teresa's sake. He does make the point here that he's not asking on behalf of a friend, which is uh, <laughs> really mm -hmm. useful. Thanks for that, Teresa. Um, he says, greetings all. I hope you're well. If a same-sex couple would like to be members at a church, what steps would need to take place? And then underneath that, same question, different scenario, but just as complex. And this is the one that I've experienced. If a person in a polygamous marriage wants to join church but is afraid of how they might be treated, uh, what would need to happen? Um, Tommy, do you want to kind of kick off the, the conversation just in terms of that? And, and the reason why I bring this in now, Tommy, is because you did say, you know, during these discussions and during these interviews, you might become aware of stuff. <laughs> well, what happens if you become aware of one of these two situations? What happens? Yeah, I, I think with, with regards to the, the uh, same-sex marriage, um, I think the conversation needs to be had with regards to what is marriage. Um, so how did God create marriage? And is that even a marriage? So that would be one area that I would, would um, um, engage with. Uh, secondly, with my convictions that it is not a marriage, um, I would then engage to say, well, uh, why did you get married? Um, are you believers? Uh, if, if the Bible does not teach that, um, and that, that will spin into then uh, more of an evangelistic kind of uh, conversation just to see where they're at. Um, are they confused? Are they, where, where, how did they get married? Are they convinced that that's a biblical marriage? which creates a whole different conversation um, with regards to the gospel and yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I mean, I think both of these conversations, polygamous marriage, homosexual marriage, and sex outside of marriage, um, mm. all really fall under one umbrella, and that's adultery. Um, yeah. uh, sex outside of marriage as God has condoned it. Uh, has condoned it. Um, and it's not unusual for people who attend church to say, hey, I want to join this church. I, I can. I'm feeling the splash effect of being at a pool party, and people are jumping in the pool, and you know, I'm getting wet, and it's great. I want to join this group of people. Um, but then, you know, on investigation of of their life, to find out that they're living with their partner, um, whether that partner is a same-sex relationship or not, the the, the reality is, uh, this needs to be dealt with. This is this is yeah. sex outside of the way that God has ordained it: one man and one woman for life. Um, yeah. And so that conversation then kicks in. The polygamous yeah. marriage one is a little bit more complex, Teresa. I mean, it really is, and it's not unusual. In the South African context, I, I know that I certainly have had these discussions with people that wanted to come into Crystal Park Baptist Church, and uh, and so has uh, Tyrell um, at Heritage back in the day, and and many others. I I know that this is not an unusual topic in our day and age in the culture where we live, uh, and it's one that has to be that has to be had. It's it's complex. It's uh, it can sometimes be really messy, um, and yet. God desires to be glorified 
as he calls the people out of the mess that he finds them into a great and glorious light, a, a way of glorifying him um, in our lives. Uh, Tommy, uh, you wanted to add something. Yeah, I, I, I do think that there's um, consequences after you get you get saved. So, for for instance, the polygamist. Um, I mean, that is a natural marriage in a way where a husband marries a, a, another sex, so a, a, a woman. Um, but then again, that whole conversation comes in while well, you were married before you got saved. Um, now you are responsible for these for these lives. I mean, so I agree with you. It's a it's a hairy discussion um, that you could have, but I think that's almost a whole radio station, a radio show on their own. But you know, I I mean, the truth is, when I came to salvation, I was living with my girlfriend. I put mm. my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Two weeks later, when I had the kind of conversation that we're talking about now uh, with uh, two uh, missionaries at the church uh, where I'd heard the gospel proclaimed, uh, they, they called us out of, out of the sin that we were living in, and they called us to make faith decisions to live lives which were holy. Um, that girlfriend is now my wife. I've been married to her for 21 glorious years. Um, uh, if she's you know, uh, listening in uh, to the show now, um, whether or not she would say that all those years were glorious or not um, is, a, is a different topic for a different day. Um, but, but the bottom line is God was so good to us, not just in salvation, but in sanctification too, um, changing us from, from children who love darkness and the things of this world to children who love light and the things of God. And that happens as we have really difficult conversations about the things we used to love <laughs> and the things we are now called to love. Um, Tepo, uh, this one's for you, brother. Uh, it's just an observation. Grace, who is Pastor Andrew's sister, says, Is that the Tepo who used to uh, attend the Evangelical Bible Church in Ennerdale with Pastor January and Pastor Stephen Andrew? And I'm guessing the answer is... Definitely yes. <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. Uh, as we as we continue these conversations around church membership, um, we're in kind of like the last quarter of an hour of the show, and there will be items which are really important to the South African conversation, to South African context, and to right now, Tommy. What are what are some of the things that that you believe people need to hear right now on the topic of church membership? I think first of all, um, if you're convinced about church membership, you need to join the right church. Uh, I, don't, I I would caution people now to not just run to any church and say I want to become a member. I think you need to be wise, even though church membership next to the gospel, I believe, is probably one of the most important topics to be discussed. I think you need to be wise where you join um, and how you join a church. Not all churches are churches. Not all churches are healthy churches. Uh, you need to be joined a, in a church, but be wise in how you go to or choose a church. Um, and myself at imprint and I'm sure at you guys at, at um, um, Crystal Park can help people 
point them in the right direction uh, to churches in their area. And so that I would I would caution people and help people to understand that church membership is necessary, but just as important that the right church is also necessary to join. Mm. So I think that's a it's a big issue. You know, maybe just before you move on to the next point, Tommy, but but just to uh, just to agree with what you're saying, um, when people visit Crystal Park for the first time or when they put up their hand and say, look, we're interested in church membership, one of the things that we do uh, is we send them the distinctives of our church. Uh, and uh, amongst the distinctives of our church are uh, what are kind of familiar, familiar, okay, I'm not going to get familiar. that word this morning, but, but, but are the nine marks of a healthy church. So um, expository preaching and biblical leadership and uh, church discipline and church membership and evangelism and discipleship and conversion. So we talk about those nine marks. We also talk about a couple of other distinctives of our local church, such as the doctrines of grace, um, we talk about our views on complementarianism um, and, and a couple of other things. And then we acknowledge, listen here, we're not the only good church in our city. And we list about six other churches, which we say, if we're not a great fit for you, yeah, are other churches which might be a fantastic fit for you because we're really keen on you being a good member in a good church. And so if we're going to lose you because we're not it um, for you right now, then let us lose you to another good, healthy church uh, in our city. Uh, I would encourage churches to take that kind of charity um, toward people that are coming in um, and recognize that not every person who comes in is going to be a good fit for your church, but make sure that they're then aware of other churches um, which are in a healthy place that they might thrive in. Um, but also just to acknowledge that um, a, a church, a local church as a body, um, is a body made up of parts which God brings in. And there's a supernatural connection which happens between us. We become friends that are like family. Uh, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as a result, we need to take this, this connectedness to one another really, really seriously. Tommy, uh, you know, what else in the South African um, scene should we be giving thought to uh, as it relates to church membership? And then uh, uh, in closing, Tepo, we'll, we'll pass it over to you. I think maybe just the last thing from my side is I would really encourage people to, to join a church, um, but then not just join the church in being a consumer, but in, a, in being a contributor. So uh, take care of yourself. The Lord says, be holy for I am holy. So take care of your own personal walk. But then as you do that, join a church and help the church to grow in its health by discipling people, by attending, by worshiping together, by uh, um, being trans transparent, practicing those one another's as Tepo reminded us. Um, and just engage. Don't be a lazy on the fringe consumer but actually be a contributor in giving yourself to the body, to that local body. So I, I would really encourage people to do that. And there are great benefits and, and great blessings that, that flows from that because God is faithful to his body and he, he wants you to join. He wants, to, he wants you to, to um, dwell with him and he wants to dwell with you. And that is mm -hmm. in the new covenant era, that is through the church. Super helpful, Tommy. Thanks very much for that. 
tipple, the kinds of things that people need to be thinking through as they think through church membership in the 21st century in South Africa? Um, firstly, so, so I think just in, just in, 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 um, what is this? In obedience to the Lord, um, each Christian has to belong to a local body. Um, I mean, there, that's where spiritual growth happens. That's where you are held accountable. That's where you are being discipled and just Thinking about um, his uh, the day of redemption, which is approaching, um, we should be um, what is this? Continuing to gather with one another, and that one another is basically with a group of believers in a local church, not just random churches that you fly out to every Sunday. Um, so I think I think that's that's important for their souls, and also I think of I think of um, just the how perseverance sits at the end of your road as a Christian. Uh, those who persevere to the end will be saved. And that perseverance, I'm not sure if it will happen anywhere else um, outside of being in a committed local body that will keep you accountable to the very end of your road. Wow. I, I mean, actually, that is, that's phenomenal. Um, just in terms of a concept, uh, because what you've done is you've linked ecclesiology to soteriology, uh, you, uh, soteriology being this discussion of salvation and in particular sanctification, how we are sanctified, um, recognizing that the point of sanctification, the, the, the moment that we are sanctified is when we are justified by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ alone as our Lord and our Savior. But that sanctification then is a process. It's a journey. It's an, it's an ongoing reality that is lived out day to day. That needs to happen in community. Um, and and our ultimate sanctification, when we stand perfect before that that throne and see Jesus Christ. Um, we will land there because of the means of grace which God has used to take us there. And one of the means of grace is the people that God brings into our lives. Um, and those people are a local church. And a local church's membership. Best you get applying to join membership at the local church where God has <laughs> placed you. I, I like that tip, or I, I really do, because it kind of it, it links together much of what the Bible says on different topics, um, and applies it into this topic of uh, of church. Tommy, uh, in terms of resources, um, in terms of you know, like extending this conversation beyond just uh, the radio show that we've had today. Um, are, are there kinds of books or websites or podcasts i'm starting to uh, make the list longer and longer because i see you're not sitting at your chair um are, are there books are there podcasts are there websites that you would recommend people go to in order to check out more on this conversation of church membership yeah so they can they can go to our website uh, imprinton.org and we've got a, a bookshop there we've got this great book on church membership uh, it really is a good book, by the way. I, I've gone through it a number of times myself. I've gone through it with people who are struggling in their minds as to, was church membership biblical? What should church membership look like? Um, excellent book. I can, I can certainly uh, give it a, a good review. 
and then this little one discipling is pretty much just summing up what what the job description of a church member is uh, to be involved in one another's lives and then we've got this little series yeah it's a super quick read hang on wait like, you've got to remember we're on radio bud you like you like tossing uh, books up and holding them up it's great for folk that are that are watching on uh, on facebook but maybe just drop a couple of titles so people I know hate what's going zoom. on i hate zoom anyway <laughs> so it's on our website church basics it's a 70 page book it's a quick read it's on congregational authority leadership church discipline uh, Lord's Supper, baptism. So it's different little topics uh, that is key to membership that they can get on our on our website. And then we've got a, a YouTube hey, channel. Uh, can I can I give you a can I give you a quick review on one of those books because I haven't yep. read all of them, but I have read Jamie Dunlop. No, it wasn't Jamie Dunlop. It was Jamie. Bobby Jameson. Yeah, Jamie Jameson wrote a booklet on on the Lord's Supper, which I found. so so insightful as we hit a Zoom, YouTube, Facebook streamed era without members in the room. Uh, certain decisions had to be made in terms of what the Lord's Supper looked like and when we could have it and when we couldn't. And I found personally that that book was really, really insightful and came at an excellent time. Uh, very helpful in laying a foundation of of what God's Word said about Lord, the Lord's Supper. And so if the rest of the books in the series are as good as that book, um, it will yeah. be a good series. Uh, definitely. He, yeah, that, that's a, he's a good friend and he's a, he's a trusted brother. He's one of those guys that has a PhD, but he makes things as simple. It sounds simple as the kindergarten teacher. So he's a, he's a gifted brother. You say that, but I've sat around a table with him, and every now and again, that PhD mind of him go like just like flips into action, yeah. and, and you have to do some serious work to keep up with the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that's him. But uh, yeah, so you can go to our website imprinton.org, uh, or you can go to our YouTube channel Imprint On, uh, where I basically go through these books just chap chapter by chapter and just teaching on them. Uh, asking questions, giving scripture verses. Uh, it's kind of like a, a Bible study type of uh, feeling. Um, and then also our podcast, Imprint Out Loud, that we discuss different topics on, on Christian life. So, yeah, so our YouTube channel, our website, and our uh, podcast. But if you want to get information on all of this, just join our Facebook group, Imprint On, on Facebook uh, or Instagram. That's, uh, that's where all the information goes out. And, uh, and you can get a catch on there. Good stuff, Tommy, and and thanks for joining us um, on this topic. I know that, that this is really close to your heart. Mm. Um, I know it's close to the ministry that you're involved in, um, and so thanks for those resources. I can certainly commend all of them that you have just dropped. Tips uh, for yourself? Uh, any additional resources, comments, or uh, or directions that you'd steer people that are wanting to think about this topic beyond? Uh, this conversation. So I've also got that book on my shelf. Tommy, I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> Church membership uh, from the Nine Marks um, uh, series. Uh, this is Jonathan Lehman. It's it's a great book. Um, I think so. So I read a lot of articles, right? So I, I, I've read up on um, different churches and how they went about um, certain things. So for one, I read uh, DesiringGod.org. 
the title of that article. Well, I think it was a sermon, um, but then I read it. It's how important is church membership? And John Piper just goes through that. Um, and then obviously another site that is um, useful is gty.org. Uh, grace to you that org um that is obviously MacArthur. <laughs> yeah so 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 those 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 would be my first to go to if i'm trying to listen quickly to something or read online but then when it comes to a book i think this has been the most helpful yeah certainly i've i found great value from the guys at capitol hill baptist church on the topic of church membership i, I really do think that they are good at at really underlying underlining the distinctive. If I had to, in closing, give one resource uh, that I would recommend listeners to check out, it would be to go to Nine Marks, uh, the Nine Marks website. You can find it by Googling. And then click on their journals and go to the journal which speaks to members of churches. It's the second to last journal that has come out. Um, I, I found that a great resource. Tommy, you have to say something and then you'll flash up on the screen. So we, we just printed one of those journals, and it's yes. specifically written not for pastors, but actually for church members in w how they can relate to the church. Um, so you can find that by, by emailing me, and I can send you one for free. Wow. Mm. That's excellent. So in actual fact, Crystal Park Baptist Church members, we've been posting those journal articles, one article at a time, one week at a time, over the course of the last uh, 12 weeks. Um, and I would encourage folk that are listening in to contact Tommy um, and to request copies of that journal. I found it really helpful. It'll be a good resource for members of local churches. Tommy, great having you with us uh, this morning. Tepo, just want to say thank you so much also for joining and for contributing. Always good to have you with uh, with me and, uh, and to serve alongside you. Just in closing, our prayers continue to go out to all the elders and the deacons that are holding the line in local churches all over Benoni, all over Gauteng, all over South Africa and even further afield, um, as well as to our missionaries who are serving the church in the extension of the kingdom abroad. Um, our prayers and much respect go out for each week, first responders, whether that be police, our national defense force, uh, nurses who are serving communities, uh, or those who are dispensing justice um, in our nation, firefighters, paramedics, um, our nation's medical personnel, as well as our correctional uh, service uh, officers um, and for the work that they are doing. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark. We are going to be going to the news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and uh, testify zealously. God bless.